0: In the past, one of the ways that you might have kept up with family and friends was that you would write them a letter or call them on the phone. If you wanted to know about celebrities or politicians, you just read or watch the news. But then came social media. Now, if, if someone is important or interesting to us, all we have to do is click a button online and we can follow their every move. Uh, what they eat, where they vacation, what they believe, anything they share, we can know. It makes sense that we would be interested in following the lives of family and friends. It's a little strange how much we enjoy following the lives of strangers, athletes, actors, politicians, just to get a glimpse into their lives. Following people, those become a big part of our society and our culture. In fact, one professional soccer player has over 270 million people following him online on Instagram. Can you imagine that? Now, not only has social media made it easy to follow people, it has also made it easy to unfollow people. So if someone says or does something that I don't like, I can just click another button and I stop following them. In fact, last year, multiple celebrities lost hundreds of thousands of followers for doing or saying things people didn't agree with. Here's the point. Social media has some benefits to it, but it also has a lot of bad qualities. And one of the bad things, in my opinion, about social media is that it has created a cheap form of what it means to follow someone. So if an individual doesn't continually entertain me or if they don't live up to my, my standards or my opinions, I'm just going to cast them by the wayside. And the reason I think this cheap understanding of following someone is such a problem is because it is poured over into how many people view following Jesus. The people will follow Jesus while well, it's convenient or uh, until they face some opposition for doing so or until they read something in the Bible that Jesus said they're not a big fan of. And then just as easily as they follow Jesus, they stop following Jesus. And so there are many people today who don't know what it means to follow Jesus. As we turn together this morning to John chapter 6 verse 22, we are going to see that people have long misunderstood what it means to be a follower, a disciple of the Savior. John chapter 6 verse 22 begins this way. It says in verse 22, The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. And Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What? What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? We're going to stop right here for just a minute. We're going to come back to John chapter 6. There's a lot for us to see Now, as a little recap, Jesus had just performed an incredible miracle the day before, where he took five loaves of bread and two fish and miraculously fed over 5,000 people. And the next day, the crowds, they they raced to catch up to him as fast as they could. And why were the people following Jesus? Because they wanted more food that they had just had. They wanted that miraculous food they had the day before. They were chasing what people have always been chasing after in this life physical, temporary things to satisfy themselves. You know, people do this with Jesus today too. People come to Jesus today for for healing or for protection or help in a moment of need. And for many of them, once they get out of their situation or lose their interest, they're gone. And Jesus tells the people to stop, stop chasing temporary stuff because he's there to offer them something so much better. He's there to offer them something eternal. He's there to offer them salvation. And they respond to that with, what must we do to do the works God requires? In other words, okay, what do I have to do to earn eternal life? See, people, people have always thought that salvation was earned and that they're capable of earning it. People have thought this for long, long, long before our day. In fact, it reminds me of how in school, Some teachers, as an incentive for the kids, would do this thing where if the kids, the class, everybody was good, if they behaved or if they did well, the teacher would put something like a marble in a jar. If the class misbehaved or they didn't do well, a marble came out. And if the jar filled all the way to the top, the whole class got a party. And there are all these people in life who seem to think that if they just work really hard, do enough good stuff and fill up that jar in life, then when they reach the end, they're going to hit the goal and this is going to be party time in heaven. There are so many people who are convinced in their hearts that salvation is about what they can do. Then the crowds, they hear this incredible news that eternal life, it isn't achieved. It's received. that it's received by believing in Jesus. That is incredible news. How'd they respond to it? They said, "Prove it. Prove it, Jesus. Do another miracle earn, earn our faith. It's not faith. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. See, all these things that we're reading give us a glimpse into the human heart, and the human heart is inherently self-focused. They were focused on what they could get out of Jesus what they could do to earn salvation, and what they believed they deserved from the Lord before they would trust in Him. Does that sound like people today? Let's keep going. Look at verse 31. The people continue. Our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. You know, manna, what the people were talking about, manna was a miraculous provision from God to the nation of Israel during the time that Israel was wandering in the wilderness before they entered the promised land. For 40 years the Israelites would walk out of their tents in the morning, six days a week, and they would find this bread from God on the ground to them. But you know, it was temporary in a lot of ways, manna. First, you had to keep eating it to stay full. You had to eat it day after day. Second, you had to regularly gather it, because if you held on to it too long, it would go bad. And finally, once the Israelites entered the promised land, that provision went away. It didn't happen anymore. And centuries later, the Israelites desperately longed to partake of that heavenly manna that their ancestors had. See, they were living in the past. They were living in the glory days without realizing that their day was so much better. Because standing in front of them was Jesus, the bread of life. This bread's not just for Israel, but for the whole world. And he brings true and eternal life to people. And this bread isn't received by going out and gathering it like manna. You don't work for it, but you receive it by coming to Jesus in faith. Manna gave physical life. Jesus gives eternal life. Manna was just a a picture, a shadow of the gifts and provision of God. Jesus was the great fulfillment. Jesus is the greatest gift. And when the people spoke, we we saw their hearts. Hearts of people are inherently self-focused. When Jesus spoke, we saw the heart of God who loves people deeply. And His will is that everyone who believes in the Son will have eternal life. If you're here this morning and you're a true follower of Jesus, do do you remember the first time that you heard that truth? Do you remember that? The first time that you heard that salvation is not about what you can do. It was about putting your faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, do you remember when you had that burden lifted off of you when you came to Him in faith? When you gave Him your life, when you received the bread of life, do you remember that? Well, this, this should have been that same moment of rejoicing for the crowds. But instead we find this. Look at verse 41. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about Him. Because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. I will raise them up at the last day. It's written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate man in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. What we saw at the beginning of this section was that despite despite all the incredible things they heard from Jesus about salvation, the people grumbled and complained. That's because they they didn't want this from Jesus. They didn't want to be told to believe. They didn't want to hear these truths. They just wanted more miracles. These works-focused Israelites wanted their own brand of salvation. They wanted their own brand of Messiah. And when they didn't get it, They grumbled. Now they really were living like their ancestors in the wilderness, grumbling and complaining. And Jesus told them the manna, manna didn't save their ancestors from death, but he can save them from eternal death. Jesus was not saying to literally eat his flesh and drink his blood. That's not what he was saying, but that his flesh and blood bring life because he would sacrifice his body and allow his blood to be shed on the cross to take the punishment we deserve for sin. You see, this physical metaphor was to communicate a spiritual truth that those who fully embrace Jesus and his sacrifice by faith, they are the ones who receive forgiveness and eternal life. What we need most in life is not to be concerned with bread that can fill us up for a moment, But being sure that we've received the bread of life, that that we have accepted and fully embraced Jesus by faith, trusting in him for the forgiveness of our sins, that's salvation. They wanted to fill themselves up with bread, and Jesus is here telling them, you need to fill yourselves up with me if you want to be saved. But this is the problem that many people have today, just like the crowds back then. They were okay with the idea of working for salvation because they thought that they could. But what offended them was putting their faith in Jesus. They were all about their own pleasure, their own ability, their own ideas, and then Jesus comes offering them something so much better, and they didn't want anything to do with it because it takes faith. And the truth is, faith is hard for a lot of people because the faith that Jesus is talking about is a faith that's all in. It's a faith that fully partakes in Him. And there are many people today who grumble when they hear the truth of the gospel, who, who get offended by the fact that Jesus is the only way to heaven, who get offended by the fact that they're sinners separated from God, who refuse to believe that salvation comes through faith in Jesus alone. Just like the spiritually starved Israelites here, they get offended. We see all these truths Jesus was speaking, they were going to reveal something about those who are following him. We're about to see what that is. Luke verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what? If you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before, the Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the twelve, yet one of you is a devil? He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. You know, on, on social media, everybody wants more followers. Everybody does. They want to gather as many followers as they possibly can. In fact, some people want followers so much that they will pay companies to give them fake followers. They're accounts that aren't real. They're computer-generated bots just to to create the appearance and boost the appearance of the influence of that person. Some people today are okay with having fake followers. But Jesus was never interested in any of that. And I want us to notice how the focus shifts here. As we've been reading, the focus shifts Uh, up to this point. A lot of people were hearing what Jesus said, and up to this point, a lot of our focus was on the response from the crowds and the response from the Jews. But starting in verse 60, we start to see the response from his disciples. Now, in this context, this is more than just the 12 disciples. This was referring to the larger group. It would include a lot of people who identified themselves, who would have said, yeah, 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 I'm a follower, I'm a disciple of Jesus. And how did they respond to the things Jesus said? A lot of them couldn't accept it. So they walked away. Makes you wonder, why why would Jesus use such a shocking metaphor? Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Why would he do that? To expose the fake followers. Jesus knew that there were people there for the wrong reasons. Without faith, who were willingly walking in disbelief. And he knew that they wouldn't be able to see through the metaphor and understand the truth. Let's not think that this is unkind of Jesus. Remember what we read at the beginning. Jesus already plainly told them that salvation comes by faith. What we find is that some of them, they just didn't care. They didn't care. So Jesus put it in such a way that only those truly seeking after the truth would have understood and remained. He said that many, many of them were offended by his words and they laughed. They walked away. As easily as they followed Jesus, they left him. You see, there's a difference between those who are true followers of Jesus and those who just imitate following Jesus. The imitators, they were there. They were there. They were going where Jesus went. They said the right things. But then when things got tough, when Jesus taught something that they couldn't accept because they were spiritually blind, they left. And imitators, fake followers, they exist today too. In fact, they're in our churches. They're the individuals who, they can talk the talk. Sometimes they're indistinguishable from true followers of Jesus Christ. Until tough times come. Until they come face to face with the reality of what it means to have a faith that's all in for Jesus Christ. When they realize what true discipleship looks like, Like when Jesus told his followers that we're blessed when we're persecuted or that we're going to have trouble and tribulation in this life or that the world is going to hate us, but but that we're supposed to love those who persecute us and we're supposed to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. Those without saving faith, they walked away when Jesus taught tough truths and people do this today too. And the reason is because there are many people following Jesus for the wrong reasons. The encouragement is that there were true followers there that day too. They may have been fewer in number, but they were there. And they followed Jesus because all his words are true, because he's the source of eternal life. He's the only one worth following. Now, true followers pursue Jesus day in and day out, and they remain even when others don't. Believers, here's the thing. What it means to follow Jesus is to be all in, to trust Him, not ourselves, for salvation. To follow Him, even when the imitators, even when the the crowds fall away, to follow Him even when persecution comes around, to follow Him even when the world decides that it doesn't like the truths of God. True followers cling to Jesus and to His words because we realize, like Peter, that Jesus has the words of eternal life. And we need to evaluate whether or not ours is a, a real faith. It's all in or whether or not ours is a fake or shallow faith, ready to be swayed by public opinion, ready to be thrown away at the first wind of persecution. The truth this morning is this. Those who fully embrace Jesus by faith will not fall away from Him when others do. And we need to understand that. That those who fully embrace Jesus by faith will not fall away from Him when others do. So let's evaluate whether or not we are true followers of Jesus. Have we we come to Him in faith? Put all our faith in Him? Receive the bread of life? Do we trust and believe that He has the words of eternal life? That He's the Holy One of God? Because if so, if we have put all our faith in Jesus, then no matter what happens, we will be found following Him in all circumstances. Even when everyone else falls away. But maybe... Maybe there's someone here this morning on campus joining us online, joining us on the radio. Maybe there's someone who is evaluating and can honestly say that you're not all in with Jesus. You're not really His follower. Maybe you're even doing some of the right things. Maybe you're doing some good things. Maybe you're going to church and you're reading your Bible and you're praying, but the truth is you've never put your faith in Jesus. And if that's where you are, please understand what the crowds didn't. It is not about what you can do. It's about what Jesus did for you. You see, we can't make up for our sin. And that's why Jesus came and gave His body to be sacrificed on the cross and shed His blood. He took the punishment, the penalty we deserve for sin. And after He died on the cross and was buried, Jesus powerfully rose from the dead. And if you are not a true follower of Jesus, please, please listen again to the words of verse 40, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. If you have never made that decision, please understand it is when you come to Jesus and fully embrace Him in faith and His sacrifice on your behalf that is when you receive eternal life and the forgiveness of your sins. It's not about what you can do. It never has been. For those of us who have received Him, let's find someone to share this good news with this week. Would you pray with me? If that's true of you, You know that Jesus isn't your Savior. You've never committed to following Him. You've never put your faith in Him. Please know you can can make that decision right now. It doesn't matter where you are. You can go to Jesus in faith. Tell Him that you know you're a sinner. That you know He died on the cross for your sins. You believe He didn't stay in the grave but rose from the dead. Give Him your life. Friends, He'll give you eternal life. Dear Heavenly Father, I I pray that if there is anyone joining us who hasn't made that decision, that today would be the day they choose to follow Jesus. For those of us who have made that decision, Father, help the evidence of our faith be seen by following the words and will of our Savior. Even when it's not popular, even when other people fall away, even if we really are approaching a day persecution will come to our doorstep, help us to be found standing there as true followers of Jesus no matter what. Because he's the bread of life. Nothing else matters. Father, we pray that you would be honored and glorified in our lives as we follow after Jesus. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.